0: Hello, welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 72. Uh, this is our Monday edition, so we're live on Periscope today. And we've got Aaron and, and uh, Gina here with us. Aaron's off off uh, camera, thank God. And uh, <laughs> but i got, I got Kirk Hens from BAM Weather on. is going to give us a rundown of what's, what's happening with the weather. So kind of the models I've seen so far. Looks like uh, about midweek we should see some uh, good spring action coming up.
1: Yeah, it's just been incredible. It's been an incredibly quiet severe weather season so far. So looking like Tuesday into Wednesday specifically, we're going to see an uptick in severe weather. I think anything from uh, some isolated tornadoes to some heavy rainfall, damaging winds, isolated hail. So it's been a long time coming, but yeah, I, I think over the central United States, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday are going to be looking at best bets for that. And overall, it's going to be a pretty warm pattern. I, I think we're going to be running you know, anywhere between three to five degrees above normal. So I know. Everybody's been anxious to get those planters rolling. So, this is certainly, besides the rainfall, it's going to be the best week that we've had kind of all season to, to consistently get out the field. So, a little taste of weather for everybody this week.
0: Yeah. Okay, man. Well, if you guys want to learn more about BAM weather, how would they do that?
1: Yeah, so head on over to bmwx.com. scroll down, we've got some samples on our website, and you can click contact us, and we'd be happy to, to share you, share with you guys more about what we're all
0: about. Yeah, one more thing I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. South America, they've been having some issues down there with yes. some dry weather, so what's yeah, happening down there?
1: absolutely. Line? It's kind of a two-tone impact down there, so central Argentina's getting flooded out with rainfall. They were dry for so long, so they're having mm-hmm. issues getting those soybeans out of the ground, and then meanwhile... Southeastern Brazil, that second crop, Safrina crop, hasn't seen a drop of rain before April. So it's been extremely dry down there, and it will continue to be dry and continue to be wet in, in central Argentina as well. So, kind of big time problems down in South America, and those problems aren't going to go away anytime soon. All
0: right. Okay. Well, good deal. Well, Kirk, appreciate it, and we'll catch you next week.
1: All right, guys. I appreciate it.
0: All right. Thanks a lot, man. All right, so we are back in the saddle. Saddled up. For one more Monday adventure coming down. So, um... Is that like Sunday morning coming down? Kind of like, just like that. <laughs> I wish very it Very similar to that in a lot of ways. Um, had a very nice weekend here. All right, phone calendar.
1: House payment.
0: House payments do. Look at that. That's exciting.
1: So support uh, your podcast. <laughs> okay. so support
0: the podcast. That's right but anyway so we've got we got a lot of stuff that's happening and um planners were rolling this weekend guys were out thick and heavy getting after it so what would you uh say is the
2: overall feel for your guys that you see out there right now very happy to be in the field yeah (laughs) very very happy to be in the field yeah and what kills me couple things. Somebody I noticed on Twitter the other day or something said last year it was late and it was cold and it was wet and we had record yields. So calm down guys. (laughs) Now, that same guy probably like a week ago was like, man I want to be in the field. Mm -hmm. But he was right, you know. And we ran into the same thing this year. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, you you think about the, the nation as a whole and you don't realize the pockets where you know guys are almost done right. um, other than you know the, the South Texas guys down right. there but it's funny because like today Twitter's full of well oh, done planting corn mm-hmm. <laughs> done planting corn <laughs> you know and there there's a meme that just cracked me up and I meant to retweet it I think yeah. I saw it on Facebook actually but it's got uh, Paul Sr. and uh-huh. Paul Jr. <laughs> arguing yeah. about, we're never going to get done. And then he's like, you have a 48-row planner. <laughs> now, granted, not everybody has a DB120, but my yeah. God, guys get done quick. Yeah. They really do. Yeah, and that's, you hear it every year. I've been
0: around this business for about 12 years now, 13 years now. And every year there's something that comes up. Right. It's mm-hmm. never like, oh, that was the perfect perfect unicorn and rainbows taking <laughs> season we've ever had and i'm so happy that it went this it never happens there's either too much rain someplace, not enough rain to get moisture in the ground to get stuff up or the winter lasts forever kind of like we've been seeing now and then all of a sudden it goes from five percent to thirty percent a weekend right so been seeing your your husband been out tinkering with the planter, getting the dust off, and getting ready to go, and with your with your kids out there in those yep. quarter picks. So yeah, what's what's happening on your farm?
3: Um, we never start planning until May first. <laughs> it's just a date kind of on the calendar, just because of where our climate is. Mm-hmm. Um, we can still have a snowstorm in oh, mid May, end of May. Yeah, which I mean, God, I hate it, but <laughs> yeah. but I mean, it's happened. We. It's not uncommon for it to happen here, so we usually don't try to get too excited about it until May first. Yeah. Um, I think they're finishing up strip till on one our last pivot today. Um, that's kind of been our hang-up because um, out of everything is just finishing up the strip till. I guess. That's a thing um, too
0: that, that field work is so far behind. Yeah. So
3: be. yeah, there's a lot of people that are still trying to get field work done, but you know. Farmers are resilient and they're going to run hard and fast oh, yeah. for, you know, multiple days, whatever they got to do to get it done. And, and it always happens. Like, like Aaron said, you know, yeah, it seems like we're behind, but a lot of crap can get cut, caught up basically in a few days time. Absolutely.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, Kirk area an you know, we've got a chance for your typical spring storm stuff coming through being from Kansas, you know, around Wichita and stuff like that. it this time of the year was my favorite time of the year because it's, you never knew when either a lightning bolt was going to come to split an oak tree in half or a tornado was going to be <laughs> sweeping right out of town. You know what I mean? So it was, it was always, that was like my funnest, funnest time of the year. So now you start looking at that and it's, it's here. So we'll see where it all goes from here, I guess. Yeah. So let's talk about, obviously, probably I need to talk about equipment since that's kind of what we do here. Um, let's talk about row crop tractors right now. And not not new ones, but let's talk about like the Ott series, those those mid mid nineties, early two thousand series tractors. I am starting to see those tail off a lot from where they were the first of the year. As far as overall demand goes, obviously price is gonna be a driver there, but what are you seeing and what do you see out in your in your world, Aaron?
2: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um tens, not so much. Tens are still pretty hot. I think I think tens will be hot forever. And and I don't know why other than they have a really cool damn sticker on the hood. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And I think, you know, when the Ots came out, for, for the drastic change they were from the Soundguard, you know, body 60 series to an, from a 4960 to an 8400 is a big damn difference in buttons and switches and whatnot, right? But they, They, for the most part, didn't have a heck of a lot of trouble with those. Transmissions were a nightmare. And not, not the, the iron and steel and guts of the transmission, the modulators. I remember on the, on the very early aughts, you could shift from, like my dad... Going down the road would clutch between twelve and thirteen. Otherwise, you would end up out on the front end weights. <laughs> 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 right? Yeah. You know. So they had to update a pip back in the back in the day to fix that. And, and other than that, those tractors were so damn awesome. And the ten series was that exact same tractor, and so damn awesome. Just refined a little bit. So I don't know if that's why the tens will live on forever or what, but they they have since the twenty series come out, tens have had a very loyal following. You know, it's fifteen year old mm-hmm. 15, seventeen year old tractor yeah. now. And they're just a very, very loyal following under ten thousand hours. You start pushing over ten, you can kinda of lump 20s aughts you know all that mm-hmm. together that's always always been a threshold um but as far as those tractors in general aughts and tens from the beginning of the year aughts have tailed off um is it, still i think a little a little demand under 10 for sure under eight thousand hours um still a lot of Sexiness to be had there, I guess, by a lot of guys. And they're, you know, point blank in the different social media outlets, there's still guys out there that cover a lot of acres with a 60, 50, even 40 series. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of guys out there that are decent sized farmers that plant with a 4840. Well, yeah. you know, pretty soon he wants the seat to swivel and run a hydraulic lever with his finger instead of his whole arm and. That's kind of what props him <laughs> things up, you right. know? Yep. But conversely, same time, he might find a 5,000-hour 4840 and then he's on Machinery Pete's TV show for... Right. He, hey, yeah. yeah. Hey, look what this brought, twice of <laughs> what it was new type yeah. of deal, so... Yep.
0: Yep. So I've been kind of, to my point, and Gina wants your to this, it seems like to me that... The odd series have telled off enough that I think most of the ones that are, like you'd say, under under 6,000 hours have been kind of gobbled up and Mm -hmm. you're left with uh, 8,000 hour whatever's. Is it, you seeing a similar kind of reaction to that?
3: Yeah, I would say it's about the same. And even if there is one that comes up, you know, under 8,000 hours, it doesn't seem to be out there for very long,
1: yeah.
3: um, you know, like you said, somebody basically gobbles that up within the first 24 hours that it becomes available. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, kind of to Aaron's point, I don't know if it's necessarily tailed off, but we're just kind of getting to the in farming season and so there's just not as much activity. Right. Um, you know, we're just kind of going through that cycle of the year, I guess, where, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's just not quite as much action in the row crop tractor market necessarily. Um But I would, yeah, I would definitely agree that anything that's nice, lower hours, it it's really not out there. Right. No,
0: I, I agree with you. <laughs> but, and there's,
3: and I think, you know, and it's, it's getting less and less every day of what's available, obviously, because they're still being used in operations daily, so.
0: Right. Yep. So you have... uh you know, combine season is not that far away. You know, we're playing so we got about 110 <laughs> days. <laughs> 110 days, and they'll be rolling. So, so let's talk about the combine market for a little bit. Tell me what you think you're seeing right now. I mean, I, I see some, uh, especially on the the late model low-hour stuff, Is not. I don't think it's as hot and heavy as it was three months ago I mean we're kind of in a different time period right now right you know and we're, we're kind of moving past that but even as that started that tailed off quicker than it had in the past mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying like yeah well, volume wise it ha- i mean we're talking as a percentage of volume like not doesn't matter how many your your volume makes up but it seems like that's tailed off quite a bit like it kind of hit a distinct stopping point oh yeah you know what I mean we're the doing you know in the past it's kind of like tapered off right up to the day we started harvesting wheat or whatever it was that we're going to harvest. So what are you seeing on combines? What's hot and what's not hot? What do you, what are you kind of, what's that hour range guys are are really kind of looking for right now? Or is
2: it more of a price driven marketplace? It's both of course. Um, and it's a little bit, I'd say it's price before hours. Mm -hmm. Um, And and you're right, April 1st hit and, you know, I've sold a lot of combines January, February, March. Um, February, March are not typical, well, none of the three are typical combine selling times. You know, you get your year-end push and then you have whatever, kind of straggle on after that. But January, February, March, all wonderful combine selling months. Um, April 1st come and kind of stopped there there's a and and I'm talking about me in general I don't you know the rest of the industry I'm sure is less than but for the for the machines I have the machines that I sell all over the place there's there's still a lot of talk right now but it's just talk it's not well let me kick that around tonight I'll call you tomorrow and we'll write it up it's okay well you know I'm planting fertilizing. I'm, you know, doing tillage. We'll talk if you still have it in May. But <laughs> you know, yeah. type of deal. So there there's still, you know, as far as the market as a whole from my perspective, the buyers are still there. Um having the right machine is still a great thing. Um which the fancier, the better. When it comes to combines, yeah. Um, the other thing would be that they're uh, it's it just like you said. It's a holding pattern. It's 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 not dead. It's just on hold. Right. And I, you know, it it is what it is. So yeah, you just kind of wait, ready to ready to pop, get them planters, get the corn and soybeans in the ground, and just ready to pounce like a cat. What conversations have you had
0: up to this point about the higher hour, older, like say 2012, 13 model, S series combines, when you start looking at stuff with like 1500 separator hours on it, what's your traction on something like that and and where do you see
2: that market heading? That's a tough market. Um, (laughs) It's a real tough market, that's why I'm asking the question. That's a a tough market. with those, with those machines, anything over a thousand is a tough market. Thousand sup. Um, then, then you get another point at 15 and another point at two, and then there's the cliff and catch it on the way down. Um, you get into that 12, 13, model and 1500 sep. There's still some buyers there for that machine. Um, one of the one of your biggest competitors when you get into that market is the uh, unicorn mm-hmm. that we like to talk about all the time, the thousand hour seventy, because the guy that's going to buy that fifteen hundred hour s is damn sure going to buy that thousand hour seventy mm-hmm. before it, and probably pay more for it. Yeah, I don't why. than you will that Option
0: values prove
2: that right. So. <laughs> But there's still that market. There's still a lot of guys, you know, even with the economy we're in, even with the stuff we're dealing with, that will that are adding a second machine. You know, I got a guy, you know, a pretty decent-sized farmer in western Kansas looking at adding a third machine mm-hmm. just because of leasing, mm-hmm. lease payments. You know, he can get a badass machine that will walk the dog for pennies an hour. You know, and it's a no-brainer at that point to, well, hell yeah, let's do her, Yeah.
0: you know. So I had a guy ask me a question uh, over the weekend, a direct message me on Twitter, and his question was, with interest rates climbing the way they are, how's that going to affect leasing? Because now leasing isn't going to be as attractive as it was before. So what do you think, Junior? How do you think that's going to affect guys looking at leases and, and if... If we're starting to get interest rates, they're already higher, interest rates are already higher on a lease than it is on a conventional loan anyway. So if you start adding one or two or three more percent to each one of those, at what point does leasing become not a popular thing anymore? So That's, think about it from like from your farming mm-hmm. side of the thing, from your cost operation, like when you and your husband sit down and start talking about the overall functionality of the farm, when and where does that start playing into your decision?
3: That's a loaded question, Casey. (laughs) Um, I don't know. That's a tough one, but I definitely, for us personally, I mean, we're always going to probably be a buyer um, just from where we're at with our situation, Um, but that's us personally. Um, I think out there, it's still going to take another couple points to move before um, leasing becomes out of the question. Um, and it's different for, and, you know, when we're figuring leases, it's different per machine. Right. Um, you know, there's no two machines that are going to lease exactly Exactly the same. same. They're going to be similar, but not exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's kind of hard to pinpoint that down, at least when I'm talking about, um, leasing through John Deere Financial. Um, there might be some other companies out there. I think it's probably going to open up a, open up an area for, um, Maybe some different types of financing to come into um, the marketplace because banks are raising their interest rates, and that 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 really drives people to look elsewhere. You know, they might look for a private investor to right. finance their farm or their cattle or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm not sure where it's gonna go because I've never seen interest rates. I guess. You know i'm still relatively young so right. i've never seen interest rates probably above eight mm-hmm. percent um as far as like equipment interest rates or um line of credit interest rates you know there's per- personal loans are obviously higher lo- line right. of credits or whatever but yeah for,
0: for me where I, when i look at that stuff I, I still think that guys are going to go out and they're going to um weigh their cost of ownership and their cost of operation
3: mm-hmm.
0: i th- and this is my personal opinion, and I'm sure people are going to throw rocks at me. But I think this generation that's coming in now, this generation that's coming to take over the farm now, are so much more focused on how it, how something's going to affect the balance sheet mm-hmm. than it's ever been in the past. Not that it was overlooked in the past, but is it cash whether, flow or not? It's yeah, exactly right. I mean, if I can if I can buy it, it's going to cost me forty grand a year, or I can lease it, and it's going to cost me thirty five thousand dollars a year what's the benefit for me owning it mm-hmm. right. to, for that extra $5,000? Right. Is it a tax issue? Is it a, you know, and with the new tax laws there are, there are some pretty sticky situations there that you probably can't, you know, getting that to all coming together is a big deal anymore. Yep. I mean, how that affects the way that looks. So, um, I don't know, it just, I think that the leasing thing will have, a, what is going to continue to have a bigger role in farm operations than I think um, until they start really jacking with residual rates mm-hmm. and making it to be where the interest is so high and then the residual rates are so so low that the payments are just astronomically high that I think leasing is going to continue to play a, a large part in
2: farming operations across the board. Especially. And, and, and your my two cents on it, you're exactly right. Interest rate, I don't want to say doesn't matter, has a lot less effect on it than a guy thinks mm-hmm. because it's not like the lease interest rate goes up but the note interest rate doesn't right they both go up right so your differential is the same mm-hmm. as it climbs yep. it's all about that residual right and the whole point of a lease is a cheap payment right. that is the whole point of a lease mm-hmm. cheap payment yep. so it's would... it's it's always going to be in play till things get rosier right absolutely
3: i and to casey's point too You know, there's also another generation coming onto the farm, and leasing is the easiest way for somebody to, you know, buy that equipment that's needed or get that equipment that's needed on the farm without a lot of cash. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's pretty easy to go out and lease a piece of equipment, and, um, you know, sometimes there's down payments involved and sometimes there isn't, depending upon the situation. But it's it's definitely that low cost or that lower cash investment up front for somebody that's just trying to jump into farming or ranching or what have you. So
0: I don't and I hate to say it like this cuz it sounds like it was ignored beforehand, but the the business side of farming is so much more prevalent now than mm-hmm. than it, than it oh, was yeah. previously, you know what I mean? Not that it was like completely ignored, but it seems like to me ag schools now have a have a big focus on the ag Economics end of the business, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? The the economy of running the farm and the economies of scale and all those different things, and they you know the the crop science part of it is still is still part of
2: that, but it's the the economics is such a bigger part of it than I think it's probably been in the past. Economics and precision ag, right? Those are the big things. Yeah. The how to make your corn plant grow and how to you know change the disc blades and all that is yep. shoved aside compared to. Here's how to make every penny cash flow and precision, 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 precision. Yeah.
0: yeah I mean, it's all about the efficiency of the farm mm-hmm. and how efficient you're going to make. Yeah, and both of those are number one and number two. So. Right. Absolutely. So I had on 71, I had Mark Young from Climate on there and we were talking about, you know, the autonomous vehicles and stuff stuff dude you're gonna owe me big Well, no. he's all bought in <laughs> five years from now we're in but <clears throat> that was that was a great conversation because that was where the bulk of that conversation was coming from was the um the efficiency of the farm and mm-hmm. the efficiency of everyone doing what they're doing and and why that's coming to, to be where it's at we talked about a company called dot technologies dot yeah dot and their website is c dot run but it's completely autonomous vehicle that hooks into like a plant or something like that and just goes out and does it. it's not a tractor it's, it's pretty pretty cool but they have a so let's start I'll, this is what i want to talk about now is that you have this large amount of machinery it just keeps getting bigger and it's a labor thing guys are trying to get like right now the plane situation you can plant four times as much with a four, 48 row than you can a 12 row Right. I mean, so I mean, there's, there's a reason why stuff's getting bigger, you know, so guys can get done faster. And it might be, it may be weather related, it might be labor related, but the size of equipment's getting bigger. At what point do you feel like equipment's going to be, holy crap, we can't make anything any bigger than what we have right now. And we are need to start, this, the trend is going to be to start scaling stuff back.
3: I think we're pretty close to that limit yeah. right now. I mean, 48 row planner, not everybody's going to be, right now, not everybody can go out and use that planner in every field that there is right now. Right. Um, so I think we're pretty close to that limit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but there again, you can go out to Montana right. where there's big wide open spaces and, you know, a lot larger scale fields mm-hmm. where, you know, that might be small for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, seeing, seeing some of those air seeders and stuff like that, that they run up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think overall if you're looking at the overall farm industry throughout the united states i think we've almost hit that max yeah i mean and and just and even um you know even our infrastructure our roadways um overpass bridges Mm -hmm. john deere air seaters, they're pretty close to that limit of not being able to get underneath underpasses so um You know, there's a lot of that you have to consider, too, as far as, you know, it's not just the field size or whatever. It's also the infrastructure that we have for our roads and bridges and all that kind of stuff, too. Yeah,
2: that's that's what I was just going to say. Bridge weights, especially rural bridge weights. The rural infrastructure was not made for a 9620R fully ballasted pulling a... (laughs) You know, a 70-foot, 1830 air drill with a C850 cart behind it full of seed and fertilizer. Yeah. You know, that's why those pictures exist on the internet of, right. oh, a tractor and an air seeder down in a creek. Right. Um, And not only that, but something you deal with every day, trucking.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: There are, what do you got, four combine models, two of them, you can't haul the wheels with the combine. Yeah. Same with four wheel drives. Mm-hmm. Four wheel drives the same way. Yeah. So we're kind of there, you yeah. know. Yeah. It. Or what's the alternative? You haul the damn tractor like to haul them dump trucks to Wyoming. In pieces. Yeah. In pieces. Yeah. Here's your engine. Yeah. Here's the front frame. Here's okay. the back frame. Here's half the box. Here's half the box. Yeah. Two tires. Two tires. Yeah. You know. I mean, it's it's getting to that point. And the thing about it
0: too, when you start looking at the size of these planters and the size of these air drills. It's not just the tool part that that's big. It's all of the, uh, you know, the commodity wagons and everything else mm-hmm. that you're carrying with it. Mm-hmm. How big those have to get to where you're not stopping every twenty three seconds to refill them. Right. You know what I mean? I mean a five hundred fifty bushel cart. You think well, that's that's a lot, but you spread that across sixty, seventy, fifty five feet, whatever it is, going at four and a half to six miles an hour and something like that. Holy crap! You're putting down a lot. Of stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah you know what i mean oh. you're putting down some stuff and that's there again then you start coming into okay oh great so you got a 550 gallon or 550 bushel cart that you're going to pull behind that how much support equipment do you have to have in the field
2: How I many semi-trucks full of seed
0: mm-hmm. and
2: fertilizing and everything else do you have to have to keep that rolling look at it this way yeah you
3: know?
2: john deere's new new what do they call that commodity cart or mm-hmm. cedar tank whatever yeah. the hell you want to call it is 850. A semi can legally haul, like, 950, 975. You're pulling a semi-trailer through the field. Yeah. So, guess what? When you're empty, it takes a semi-trailer to fill it up. Absolutely. You know, especially if you're running that 850 and, like, a a third and two-thirds. Third fertilizer, two-thirds, you know, wheat, whatever, seed. Then, two... Yeah, you'd be about a semi yeah. would get you two Phillips as all on seed. Yep. You know, three on fertilizer. Yep. It's crazy. Good lord, man. So now flip that over to start looking at harvest
0: equipment. So now you start pushing a six eighty out there or any of these big class eight combines. Seven eighty. Or seven sorry, seven eighty. Jeez. <laughs> it's like it's like a new year. They're very
2: technologically advanced. Yeah. Yeah, seven S seven hundred <laughs> series. Yeah,
0: start looking at that kind of stuff and then support equipment with that. So now you start just from the efficiency and the amount of of crop that those things can devour and and process and everything else. Those things only have what three hundred fifty bushel hopper on them. Four four hundred mm-hmm. bushel hopper on them. So how fast does it fill up? Quick, very yep. quick. Don't take much time at all. So now you start looking at grain carts that are fifteen hundred bushel grain carts that fill up. You know you have three or four of those going in the field just so you can make sure things are operating correctly when you're running multiple combines obviously but each one of those that's a fills up one grain trailer and it goes goes town. I mean so it's the constant amount of ability for these things to process and for you to stay efficient is, is a big deal mm-hmm. and how much bigger can you get can you get a class 10 combine is this is gonna make sense well I mean I think they already exist. I mean obviously class 10 already is out there but I mean there's, I think Lexion has one out there that's class 10. That's, there are,
2: it's either... That's 780? You know, they might, Didn't they come out know. with a 780?
0: Yeah, but I'm pretty sure that they have a, a class 10. Either they were testing it or they had re-
2: unveiled it I, in, in
0: one of the two. I can't remember what it is. I don't think it's
2: out. It They've be. unveiled it though. I mean, it's been at farm shows. Mm-hmm. Right. So is Case IH's autonomous tractor. Well in probably five years from now.
0: Be nope, the one. No, no <laughs> dice.
1: No,
2: but you think about it, you know, back when you, you see so many of these farmsteads and, and not not Joe Blow Farms Incorporated because we have our own elevator leg and pit and all that. Yeah. But, you know, farmsteads that were designed, even if they were pretty fancy in the 70s, you know, the, the bin, it, it can even come down to the hole in the roof of the bin. Yeah. You know, the the guy my dad farms with has a 13 inch Westfield auger and there's several bins. They can't even get the damn spout yeah. through the roof, you yeah. know? So they have this old 10 inch that they'll fill them bins with and yeah. it's like, oh shit, well move the auger. There's, there's so much of the buzzword infrastructure mm-hmm. of the on-farm infrastructure that you know go get a couple s790s go get a couple 2096 brent carts you know go get all this machinery and watch it sit because you can't empty you know yeah there's there's so much bottleneck in that whole world of harvest you know that is the biggest efficiency killer do you
0: feel like grain bags that's why that's that's got the whole grain bag thing is why that's been taken off the way it has in in the past i think
3: grain bags was just cheap storage options mm -hmm. um and i'll tell a story about my dad he uses it because it's efficient for his small usually one man show operation um you know for them he can have it all there in the same field he can basically harvest unload and put it in the bag and not have to worry about running a truck to town, basically. Yeah. Um, so, it's, it's, it's different for every operation, but I think the reason why they got so popular is there was so much grain and mm-hmm. guys didn't want to haul it into the elevator, so their cheapest option was the grain bags. The only downside is, I think a lot of guys have found out that, you know, the time frame of those bags is nine months, yeah. maybe 12 months. Um, you know, so it, it is a timing thing that, has to be addressed you can't put it in the bin and keep it there for a long amount of time i guess not that you should do that anyways but right. <laughs> but um yeah it's definitely there is spoilage more spoilage in a grain bag than an actual grain bin so yeah.
0: for me when i start looking at the size of equipment i i, I agree with everything you say how many of you of guys built 10 years ago built brand new sheds thinking, and they built them big, mm-hmm. thinking that they're, oh, we're never going to outgrow this bin, or this the shed, we're going to be good, and they've had to dig out the entrance to the, so they get the combine to go down and come back <laughs> up, you know what I mean, that's yep. not, that's, that happens a lot, I think we've reached that point of, I don't know how much bigger this stuff can get, I don't think they can, think they can just continue a trend of just every year something bigger and bigger and bigger, Antano's vehicles are going to make things shrink, <laughs> it's going to happen.
2: I I would say they're they're not gonna make it shrink. I don't drink that Kool Aid. I don't drink the Kool Aid of what well, we have. Thirteen autonomous tractors and thirteen four row planters. What I do see is a, a bigger thing that I guess I would hang my hat on of that world that I don't like is leader follow. Mm-hmm. You know I'm in my eight R. Pulling a DB90, and there's one right there. Yeah. And every, you know, I control everything it does through telepathy.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and the 9620R pulling a 60 foot finisher ahead of us over there. I think there's more of that than there is the thought process of having multiple, multiple, multiple small autonomy. I just do. I th- I think you're still going to have your big sexy go fast get the hell out of the way hammer down shit mm-hmm. versus the little bitty stuff and tons of it just because of a and i'm sure there's some magical wizard of Oz way of making it all work but i think your leader follow big real life machinery has more i don't know how to say it. i was going to say more future but that's not right more I think it's it's a more legitimate thing than all the little bitty stuff, right?
0: No, I, I to the point I agree with what you're saying because the the leader follower stuff is there as long as you have someone in there with to run the machine, right? It's when you start running out of people that's what's pushing this. It's the labor side of the business. It's no, not, I realize it's not that, the yeah. uh, man. It should be cool if I had a tractor drive and stuff. That's not what's driving this. I mean, maybe to some mm. extent, <laughs> some extent, but moreover, it is the fact that we don't have enough people, mm-hmm. especially on the high value crop side of like, fruits, nuts, yeah. vegetables, that kind of stuff. I mean, that's what that's where a lot of this technology is coming from. I watched a video the other day for a thing that was uh, picking apples and it was you know AI and all this different stuff, but it, has, it basically looked like a giant shop bag it had a big tube on it about like this, and it would come up and it would, it would know what the apple looked like, and it would just suck the apple out of the tree, and it was just going around doing that. That's cool. Thing. And they would go the next tree. Fully autonomous. Thing. Completely autonomous. Nobody was. No, I mean, there was a guy watching on his laptop. Lord knows how many miles away. But, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I think is going to be. That's most of that's going to come from. DJI has a has a drone now that you can have that's got a payload that you can carry a sprayer on it. So you can go out, send your drone out to spray your fields aerial. Aer. Aerially? a word Air, aerial applique, yeah, go out and, and spray that down. And then, but they would have, but it has a tank on it and a sprayer, and it just flies over top of stuff. I'm big a tank, I didn't, I didn't see that part, but no, there again, poly again, tank or stainless, or probably poly three way nozzle,
3: mm-hmm.
0: it's just single, single nozzle body without it doesn't have exact apply or anything like that on it too, to go, if you want to continue down that path. But I think equipment's going to get smaller. And it's, gonna, I don't, it's not going to get, like, small, like, 25-horsepower tractor small. No, right. it's going to do a 10-25-hour mud. You know what I mean? They're going to do...
2: Take gonna, that seat <laughs> off. I don't need that shit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't care for rollovers. You can leave the roll bar off of it, too. But, but at the end of the day, it's going to be 150-horsepower tractors pulling 15-foot implements. That, that's going to be out there doing it. Because it won't matter if they have, if they have 10 of them in a the field or whatever the number is. Not, if one goes down... The other nine are going to keep going.
2: Over the top of it.
0: It'll... They... See, the see, Aaron? They
2: have... Just wait. You know, for, for someone other. who's all z- zombie apocalypse doomsday or <laughs> this, this whole realm is completely out of character. Well,
0: this, what this does, though, this leads into that documentary I saw called Terminator <laughs> and how that worked <laughs> Do- out at the end.
2: You know what I mean? That worked out well for everybody at the end. Uh, you know one thing... That I you know, and I'm not all future boy or nothing like that, obviously. Something I would see. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> something I am I am big on. I wish they'd bring back the shuttle shift. <laughs> <laughs> They'll always have that. Something I am big on with autonomy would be the sprayer application. Yeah. For and the first time I saw a drone, I thought that would be the coolest thing. You know, I'm thinking the four-wheeler sprayer, a little 25 gallon jobber, you know? (laughs) And you can make, with with all the technology we have, I mean, you can make that thing read every plant out there Mm -hmm. and spot spray. You don't have to broadcast, especially dicamba. (laughs) (laughs) The D word. (laughs) You don't have to, you wouldn't have to broadcast. You know, you can, run that drone from the edge of the field in your yeah. Chevy pickup mm-hmm. and spray, you know, each little kind of like exact apply, just yeah. ch- 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 wherever. I think that would be super badass. Yep. Yeah. It's the uh that's the future that we live in. And then all the the uh non pro chemical crowd would be big supporters of that also
0: what was that article we we were reading the other day i can't remember what it was but they're talking about how these these machines like this that had the ai sensing right that the other thing were taking like 80 to 90 percent of the chemical use down oh of just like just out just pasting it across the landscape it was just like oh there's a plant you spray that one don't
2: need to spray that one well it's kind of like you know i can remember when i was a kid before gmo i mean you sprayed Constantly, mm-hmm. constantly, were you spraying something? Well, I need these three because it kills this weed, and I need these two because it kills that weed. You know, and all this, and it's like guys are always saying that's one of the best things that ever happened was GMO because chemical costs are just psh, slashed. Yep. You know, farmers' chemical cost, the applications for the environment we're in. Mm-hmm. You know. Envi- preserving the environment all that kind of stuff i mean it's a drastic change drastic
0: so one more trend then we'll hang it up here i'm watching tillage trends really switch from what they've been right mm-hmm. so the vertical tilled stuff is, is really kind of kind of that minimal till looking the whole, how that whole thing works there's a lot more conventional tilling going on because to your point with the weeds Yep. right yep so now kind of flipped that around where weeds were an issue because we didn't have the GMOs. Now now we have GMOs and we were able to just like, oh, well, let's just take this roundup and we'll just, how much can we put on there? However much you want. And that's, now we have these weed resistant or roundup resistant weeds as an issue. So the no-till thing is getting to be, yeah, we're going to still no-till after the season because we're going to have to rip it all up <laughs> and right. then spray it all down and then put up, let it go back to the wind. So talk about that a little bit from your some farming practice that you see happening out there
3: yeah so that's kind of a sticky one um because you mentioned the chemical thing um and a lot of that though too is we haven't had a new product as far as you know like a roundup or whatever oh, yeah, right. mm-hmm. a new product we haven't had a pr- another product to introduce so you know the practices that we've used or overuse. yeah we've created our own problem basically right um so yeah i see a lot of guys actually going back and switching to organic Mm -hmm. um i've seen a big trend in that lately actually and part of it is the weed issue and part of it is the niche market right um you know it adds more labor to their farm but it's also adding more value to their crops right um so again it just depends on what works for each operation i've definitely seen a lot of guys that'll go out and spot till in a field where Mm. they have a bad problem um it it's definitely something that's come back up um yeah i don't know that's a sticky one
0: (laughs) yes it is a ever ever evolving but
3: also too like the crops the corn the corn that we're producing today is leaving a lot more residue in the field too right um you know and if you don't have cattle to come and graze it sometimes that's detrimental in the spring to planting another crop in the field um so that is playing a i think playing a little bit of a hand in the problem too Mm -hmm. um is that guys can't necessarily get rid of that residue in a timely manner so they have to go over it with something to help break down the material that's left
0: to that point like balers you hear more guys like Mm -hmm. this has never been never rolled up any corn stalks you know, that, I didn't, oh, but, <laughs> but you know, like that didn't used to be a conversation. First, right. You know what I mean? Right. It, was, it
2: well, there's know. so many more uses for that stover too. Yep. You know, a, mm-hmm. animal feed, huge deal. Uh, the cellulose ethanol mm-hmm. kind of takes off, dies, takes off, dies, yep. you know, and that, that was the bigger push before the livestock feed side, mm-hmm. right, Side of corn stover. Yeah. You know, but I know as far as, you know, it's a, it's a great feed. There's lots of guys feed corn stock bales by themselves. That's it, yeah. you know, <clears throat> feedlots love feedlots, cow, calf, all kinds of guys like to grind them up. It's part of the ration. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff you can do, but they're, and that's another thing, you know, with the, the, when they came out with BT corn, that was the first thing everybody these stocks don't go away. Mm-hmm. You know this is this is here to stay. Like so Donald we got to do something.
0: Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, I think we beat this one to death. So, any last words before we jump out of here? Guess
2: not. Before we bring down the periscope. <laughs> when it's combine, let's, let's let's deal on some combines. All right. You <laughs> what about you? Anything?
3: I'm good. Let's okay. go get her done.
2: All right. Where can they find you at on? All the on us. On the internet, Aaron at Aaron Fintel on Twitter, and I'm also on Facebook. Or call my myself 308-760-1193. And if you see it on the
0: gas station bathroom, just ignore it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just a funny joke. <clears throat> he
0: probably wrote it. Gina, <laughs> where can they find you at? Uh,
3: yeah, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.
0: Right on. And you can find me at Moving On LLC on Facebook and uh, Twitter and uh, the Instagram so uh make sure that you guys check out moving iron LLC. get the latest information on the 2018 moving iron summit in las vegas and past and current episodes of moving iron podcast you can also find some moving iron blogs there as well throughout the year there's going to be guest bloggers writing on their point of view Um, if you'd like to support the podcast please leave a review and subscribe to your favorite podcasting platform if you shop amazon please use the amazon click through that's supposed to be on movingironloc.com but for whatever reason it's not right now so uh, it won't cost you anything, but you'll still have the same experience you're accustomed to while supporting the podcast. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, I'm Casey Seymour.
1: I'm Aaron Finnell.
3: Regina Nargis.
1: Let's go move some iron. Out.